I love that. That that was the original. Um, and I mean, you can't. I'm sorry. I'm still like an old sucker for like the black and white movies mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but it, but it's true. Did you did you notice Miss Walker? Like, well, no, no. Tell them the truth. It, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. And when we think about Christmas, and as we've been talking about, like the moment, the miracle of the moment that God chose the perfect timing, and, and then, you know, the miracle of the message of how He communicated with us and stuff. But the whole method, it seems kind of crazy. It, it seems like, well, you know, okay. So God became a human being, was born in a little stable, lived, died, and then rose again, and then he's coming back again. I mean, it's, it sounds fantastic, and it sounds kind of crazy, but it is, it is God's method. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning, is the miracle of the method of how God chose to do this and how God chooses to move in our lives. Because if we just base it upon what we think and what we think is logical and how we can understand and that is a really small God. I've, I've always believed that if I can explain everything there is about God, if I can understand everything there is about God, then that's too small of a God for me to follow. And I think Christmas shows us how big our God is. And so we're going to be diving through this. So let's pray and let's see about this method that God used to come and redeem the world. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity um, to come together. Father, we pray for those that couldn't be here today. We pray for those that are still going to come one day and be a part of all of this. Um, God, um, we just ask you to move this morning. Um, God, may we have eyes and hearts like little children. God, and a faith that can see beyond what we can understand. God, the only thing that's important is what you need to say to this morning. And so, Father, I just pray you'd move me out of the way, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond, and that you would speak and that you would receive all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. St. Augustine um, said this one time, one of the great church fathers. And just think about the idea, this whole miracle of the method and stuff and how this all played out. He said, speaking of Jesus, he said he was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He, the word, without whom all human eloquence is mute. I mean, just, just think about just the audacity and the craziness of this plan that God had to come and the message of Christmas and how he entered our world and how he chose to redeem us. In fact, Paul, Paul kind of shouts a praise at the end of Romans. He has an entire kind of doxology where he just starts his whole passage of prayer. But Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and how untraceable his ways. I, I think so often when we look at Christmas and we look at life in general, we try to put it into a box that we can understand. And <coughs> excuse me, that we can fit and we can we can comprehend. But when we're dealing with God, there isn't a box big enough. I mean, if we could just, I said it earlier, but if we could totally understand God and understand his plans and his ways and how he does everything, wouldn't that be a really small God? Wouldn't he be limited by our limits? 
And yet we, we follow a God and a God revealed himself that is beyond time and is beyond space, beyond our logic, beyond everything. In his sovereignty, God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, with whoever he wants. And he's just big. And we'll have the rest of eternity trying to figure out how big God is. But Christmas reveals what an amazing God he is. In fact, his methods transcend us. And and as far as if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58. Whoops, I think I did wrong here. 55? Yeah, I bet it is. Oh, I'm sorry, 55. Yeah, 55. I'm sorry. I marked the wrong thing in my little book. But listen, this is what God explains. And he starts saying, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Anything that we could think of, anything that we could do, anything that we could um, plan, God's bigger. I, I want you to think that the last original thought on this planet was basically let there be light. It, it came from God. It, everything else that we think of, everything is, is usually something that we've learned or we've picked up from someone. It's been passed on to us, passed on to us, passed on. But God's thoughts and God's ways are much higher than us. In, in fact, think about this. If we would have had written the redemption story, wouldn't it have been differently? Jesus comes, God in flesh comes, and he's born to a poor family. No influence. In in a backwoods part of the world. In fact, you you look at like the Palestine region, it was the place that the Romans didn't want to be. It was like, we don't want to be stationed there. Nothing ever happens over there, we, we just want to stay out of there. It's kind of backwoods, it's country, and, and we just... And so he's born in that. He's born in a stable, not a palace. A feeding trough is where he's laid, inside of a cave. He lives and he preaches love, and he preaches, and he doesn't show off, he doesn't, he doesn't reveal himself. In fact, when, if you read the temptations of Jesus, when Satan comes and tempts him and says all these things, hey, make bread. Out of the stones. With all the power that God, of God in him, fully human, fully God, he could have made bread. But he says, no, I'm not going to show off that way. Or, or jump off the top of the temple. Because there, there are passages in Psalm that says, you know, your foot won't be dashed. You say, Prove yourself Messiah by showing yourself. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't, he doesn't show off. He doesn't exert the power that he is so able to use. And at the end of it all, he dies. And he's crucified. The worst kind of death, the criminal's death. And three days later, he rose again. And here's, here's really the kicker. Who's the first people that hear about Jesus' resurrection? Women. And today, we're like, well, that's not a big deal. But back then, women had no rights. I mean, he chose everything that seems illogical to us. If you want to make a statement, God did the opposite. The first people that saw his birth and heard his birth were shepherds. We're going to be talking about that on Christmas Eve. These people that nobody really trusted, nobody really liked. And so if we would have written the redemption story, I bet it would have been a lot different. 
But God's method transcends us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher. They're bigger. But he came in such a way that just an ordinary person like you and I could know him. If we would have came as a king and a ruler, how many of us would be able to identify with him? God's method transcends us. God's method also includes us. That's, that's, that's a miracle by itself because I know me. <laughs> that I know I shouldn't be good. The ordinary becomes extraordinary. God takes just normal things. Look through all through Scripture. And I, I love, if you, if you want to read, if you, let me back up a little bit. I'm, I'm getting excited. If you think that I have nothing to offer to God, like I'm, there's nothing special about me that could do anything magical or wonderful or powerful for the world. I, I just want you to open your Bibles sometime this week and read Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. And see the people that God chose over all history. Abraham. This old guy, just go out and, and go into some desert, I'll tell you where, and I'm going to build a great nation. And by the way, you're going to have a kid someday, and but it's going to be years down the road. And in the midst of that, Abraham lied, and he did stupid stuff. Moses, who knew that he was going to be the deliverer of the Israelites, but then murdered an Egyptian and had to go run and hide for 40 years. David, a little tiny shepherd boy that no one could... In fact, when, when Samuel called for to have lunch with David's family... David's dad left him in the field and brought every other son except David. He was the last to be chosen. I mean, just just look at all the people. Paul, who had a temper that persecuted the church. Peter, who denied Jesus and preached one of the greatest sermons and started the church. The ordinary becomes extraordinary because God's method includes us. And that, that's the message of Christmas. He included the shepherds. That nobody thought about. Jesus walked in his life and he stopped and he talked to the lepers and he talked to the children and said, this is what you should be like and everything. And so it includes us. In fact, turn your Bibles, 1 Corinthians. Paul says it so well here in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no no one may boast before him. I've been thinking about that verse all week and I'm thinking, about God, why me? Why, why would you choose me to go and plan a church or, or do this? Why, why would you choose that? And, and the idea that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise is, I think, why he chose me. Because I, I feel inadequate all the time. I feel like, man, I, this is something I can't do. But the message of Christmas is that God takes the ordinary people, the people that just want to love and be obedient and serve him, and does something extraordinary with them. God wants to take each of us and do something beyond anything that we could do ourselves. 
And in the end, he will get all the credit for that. that that's what Christmas is about. That's this whole method of this is what this is all about. God's method sanctifies us. That's the plan in the beginning. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure of this, Paul writes, that he who, who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Christ came for one reason, one reason only, and that was to repair and restore our relationship with our Creator. And this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, no matter where you're at or how strong you are or how, how, how grown up you are and how much you know of word and how much you know of theology and doctrine, all those things, here's the deal. It doesn't matter where you're at because there's a promise that Christ will complete what he started in that manger. And the day will come when we will stand before him and we will be perfect. That all our flaws, all our faults, all those will be gone. Don't obviously, in fact, the Bible says it. And we've, we've said that over again. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. He became sin that we would become his righteousness. That God will look at us and see the perfection that he created us to be. And he'll finish that work that began in a little tiny feeding trough in a backwoods town called Bethlehem that no one ever thought about or considered important. Until he was born. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's amazing. See, we, we need to keep a big picture perspective of what God is doing and, and the purpose of him coming and Christ coming and being born at Christmas and living and dying and then rising again. We, we need to keep, because not everything is going to be easy. I wish I could tell you that your entire life is going to be easy, that you're not going to struggle, you're not going to have problems. And I can't tell you why certain struggles happen. I can't tell you why there are insane people that go into buildings and shoot people. I can't tell you why well, I can. It's sin. Or you're struggling with this, or you struggle in your relationships, or you struggle with your finances, or you struggle with that, and that there are good things and there are bad things that happen. That, that's all going to happen. But it all is this method that God is using to create in us. And you guys know these verses? I've read them over and over again. It says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And that good thing is, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The method, the mission of Christmas is that God is going to perfect us. That God is going to take every blemish, every mark. And through the good and through the bad and through all of it, he's going to put all that together. And we are going to look just like Jesus. And there will be no more crying and there will be no more sadness and there will be no more sickness. And God will restore everything that is on this planet. And it began the beginning of the end. I, I love when um, when they invaded on D-Day, Winston Churchill. It's one of my favorite Winston Churchill quotes. When they asked him, says, oh, is this it? D-Day and everything. Winston Churchill said, this is not this is not the end. It's not the beginning. It's not even the beginning of the end. It's the end of the beginning. Everything up until Christ's birth, 
at Christ's birth, it was the end of the beginning. God had set in place everything that needed to be set in place for us to know him and understand him, to understand his standards. And then Christ came and showed us what that looks like and how to complete that. And for the rest of our lives and until Christ returns, we are completing that work. And God is completing that work through us and in this planet. And he's going to finish it all. That's the hope of Christmas. And it doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life and the circumstances. God is going to be faithful and complete all of that. How easy would it be if God just showed up and you, you and I made a decision to follow him and we got saved and everything. And right then we say, okay, we're done. You're dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't want but, but it, but it's not what he does. He, he takes us and he molds us and he shapes us and he gives us blessing and he lets us go through trials and he lets us go. And all those things shape us to the point where we become just like his son. And that's the message of Christmas. You and I were created already to be perfect. You and I were created already to be in a perfect relationship with God and a perfect relationship with each other and this planet. And sin came in and destroyed all that. And when Christ showed up, when, when the word became flesh, it put in motion everything that God had set up for it to complete that work. And it's, it's going to end one day. It may be in our lifetime. It may not. It may be a thousand years from now. But God is faithful to his promises and his methods will finish what it started that day, that night in Bethlehem. That's that's the message of Christmas. And that just seems kind of crazy. And I, and, and I know we get lost in all of it. I love Corey Ten Boom. Um, if you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, she was this the hiding place during Nazi Germany. They hid. She was in. They found her. They put her in a concentration camp. Uh, <clears throat> she saw atrocities and everything. Um, she accepted Christ. She became a strong Christian. And there was one day where she was talking about her experiences, and an old man walked down the middle aisle down to him and, told her, and she noticed that that was one of the Nazi guards that was cruel, and she saw the cruelty from him. And she just sat there, and she was faced with a moment right there where she had to say, I forgive. And it's a beautiful book. The book's called The Hiding Place. If you haven't read it, I think every Christian should read it and stuff. But she says this, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is, the God, is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. We, we don't understand God's method. We, we don't understand why God will do certain things the way he does. But that should be encouraging. Because if I could understand all there is about God, that is too small of a God for me to give my life to. And so this Christmas, I, I just I pray and my prayer for you and my hope for you is that, yes, you experience the moments that you stop and you experience the moments like the shepherds. Like the people that saw Jesus, birth, like Mary, when she got the announcement and everything, and you experience just the beauty of God's plan, you, you experience the message of Christmas where God wanted to communicate with us and loved us so much that God so loved that he became one of us. And that you glory and you praise and you joy in the method. That none of this relies on me. 
I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. But because God is higher, bigger, stronger, and greater than anything that I could ever imagine, He made a plan and a method that one day will be complete in me and on this planet. That's the hope of Christmas. That's, that's the beauty of Christmas. That's the miracle of Christmas. This morning, you know, we've been so busy this week with, you know, Christmas parties and, and outreach events. And, and we're, we're thinking through so many things. We wanted to give you an opportunity just to sit there and have a moment. And to hear a message and be overwhelmed by the method. And so we're just going to play a song. And I, I just pray that you just take this time. And whatever's going on with your life, all the busyness and the craziness, that you just set it aside. And you just let God speak. He, he, he talks so much better than I do. And it's so much clearer than I am. And so I just pray that you know, during this time that you'll just let God speak to you and remind you that maybe... For the first time, you'll look back at Christmas with those childlike eyes and see the wonder and the miracle and the magic. And you'll be overwhelmed by the love and the grace of a God who became one of us.